0: Who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group. Text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello and happy Sunday morning, America. This is John Solomon, and this is the latest edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. So grateful you can join us for our now weekly Sunday Brunch edition. We really enjoy having you. We've got a great show for you. We're going to get started right after these commercial messages. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way and feeling better. And suddenly I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down. And my doctor said, Hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? House Nutrition, and, of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off.
1: As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued
0: He's the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, and he joins us for the great state of Kentucky, Congressman James Comer. Congressman, great to have you back on the show. Great to be back. You had a big announcement today. We want all of our uh, viewers to hear this. You're going to bring some uh, free speech uh, legislation to Congress. You had some hearings. You showed us how closely the federal government was aligned with big tech and censoring Americans' opinions. Now you got the solution in place. Tell us about these pieces of legislation.
2: We have a bill that uh, is protecting speech from Government Interference Act, uh, and it simply expands the Hatch Act to include for social media and the Internet uh, and for government employees not to be involved in suppressing free speech. Uh, Just exactly what we saw happen with the FBI at Facebook, Twitter, Google, YouTube, all the different social media platforms. The FBI was going in. Uh, that we learned through the Twitter files we had a whole unit of at least 50 agents that met regularly. They met so often that they were paying the social media platforms with our tax dollars for their time so that they could help them uh, determine what needed to be censored and who needed to be kicked off. The platform. That's not what the government's role is. The government should never be involved in that. The Hatch Act says government employees aren't allowed to be involved in political activity. Well, this expands it to include suppressing free speech as well. I'm hopeful that we'll get a lot of Democrat support and that this bill will make it out of the House with momentum heading into the Senate to where we can get uh, 60 votes in the Senate for passage.
0: That's a big deal indeed.
3: Absolutely. And, sir, I'm going to give Democrats the benefit of the doubt and say, yeah, they're going to support this. So if this makes it out of the House and the Senate, it gets passed. Practically speaking, what does it look like for consumers, for users of social media? Does it mean that they won't have their posts suppressed and taken down? What, what does it look like from a practical perspective from or from a from a taxpayer's perspective?
2: Well, for one thing, if a government employee is caught trying to do that again, then they can be terminated. Right now, we can't hold these government employees accountable because they say, well, the law didn't include social media activity. They include the Internet. Uh, this makes it very clear that uh, government employees are not allowed to be involved in censoring free speech. Uh, you would think that the law already included that. But somehow, with our justices the way they are today, uh, there's a loophole. This changes the loophole. And I think the American people need to have confidence that their taxpayer dollars aren't going to fund liberals who are suppressing their speech. And if I'm a liberal, uh, who's to say that a conservative doesn't become president someday and do the same thing to liberals? So this should be bipartisan legislation. Uh, It'll save tax dollars because the FBI won't need to have uh, 50 full-time agents doing nothing but policing twitter posts on our social media platforms
0: yeah so important I, someone said it to me today a little change in language with a big protection for the american liberty uh, of free speech a tremendous opportunity great people are really excited about this legislation sir i want to turn to hunter biden he doesn't seem like he wants to cooperate much with your investigation i don't think we're surprised by that given the last few years the big question will you subpoena him is it time to compel him to start producing evidence
2: Well, we're going to start subpoenaing different uh, entities that have information. Uh, We know individuals. Many are cooperating with us now, but others, uh, not so much. Uh, We're going to start subpoenaing people in the private sector. We're going to start subpoenaing financial institutions uh, to get us the information. And then we'll go from there. But, John, if I were Hunter Biden and, and I'm as innocent as his lawyers and the little hit guy that works in the White House that attacks me every day, Uh, says he is, then I would want to clear my name in front of the House Oversight Committee. I mean, he's got 20 friendly people on the Oversight Committee. It's not like the January 6th Committee where the entire deck was stacked against you. I mean, the Democrats are clearly going to defend the indefensible uh, with respect to Biden family influence peddling. So he could come in front of the House Oversight Committee right now and defend his good name. He would have 20 Democrats that would, that would definitely support him and he could make 26 Republicans look bad. If, if all this information we have from his laptop, all the emails that were in his own words, all the audio that his own voice, if you know, for some reason we're misinterpreting that, then, then he could make us look bad. But uh, we all know that this family was involved in influence peddling and this administration is doing everything in its ability to try to block oversight. We have other avenues that we're confident we're going to get information. And luckily, we have a lot of people that were involved in the Hunter Biden orbit that are that are coming forward, working with us now.
0: That's big news.
3: Sir, you just mentioned some of these other means by which you can get some information, one of which I believe is uh, you're calling on Vuk Jeremic, Serbia's former minister of foreign affairs, to discuss his relationship with Hunter Biden. I know this was as a result of testimony in relation to Patrick Ho's case, who I think ultimately went down for bribery and money laundering. What information do you think he has that's going to be valuable to your investigation?
2: Well, the information with Patrick Ho, who is a partner of Hunter Bidens, and we believe Joe Biden, because this is the entity where Joe was uh, apparently the big guy, according to two people that were involved in the deal, that big guy that was going to get 10%. This entity, the Department of Justice, came in and arrested Patrick Ho for bribery in, in Africa. And it was the same kind of deal they were doing in Africa that the Bidens were trying to help them with in the United States. So the person that we've requested information from uh, w- was an insider on this. He testified in federal court in the United States against Patrick And We want to see uh, the information that he had that led to the the conviction of Patrick Cohen in the United States because it's the same guy that was partners in a very similar business deal with with Hunter Biden, Jim Biden,
0: and potentially Joe Biden. That's amazing. And there's a famous email exchange I've seen on the laptop where Hunter Biden writes Vuk Jeremek and says, They're not interested in my skill set, talking about the Chinese who are about Uh to do business. They're interested in my last family name. He's going to be a fascinating witness if you can get him to cooperate. I want to ask about another guy who shows up in the emails, he shows up in the business documents. He's taking care of Joe Biden's taxes. He's talking about Joe Biden paying back his son. Uh, Eric Schwerwin was one of the most important people in the Hunter Biden Joe Biden uh, orbit. Is there any chance that we'll see him cooperate? He seems like he can connect almost all the dots that may need to be connected.
2: Thus far, I have good news. He is cooperating with us. Uh, His attorneys and my counsel are communicating uh, on a regular basis now. Uh, I feel confident that he's going to work with us and provide us with the information that that we have requested. So that's a very positive development. I believe that's going to lead to a few others coming forward. We've communicated with a lot of people. Obviously, we know uh, the majority of the stakeholders that were involved in the different Biden schemes around the world. Uh, so we've identified them all and and I believe that Sherwin's going to lead the way in, in helping more people come forward and, and work with us. Look, We've talked to a lot of people uh, before we became the majority, before I became the, the chairman and had the gavel and had subpoena power. Now it's time for these people to come forward and talk to us in a transcribed interview, uh, or in a deposition, or even better yet, in a committee hearing so the American people can, can hear uh, with their own uh, ears exactly what this family was involved in, and then we can proceed from there. But, uh, you know, I, I think that Sherwin's going to, to be a, a very valuable witness for us in this investigation. Uh, that is big news
3: I think so too I think that he's gonna bear plenty of fruit very quickly before we go we got about forty five seconds left one hundred and thirteen billion dollars that I think the American people want to know where it's gone how it's how it's been used in Ukraine are you gonna get to the bottom of it?
2: We're requesting that. Uh, The administration said, well, it's going to Ukraine. Well, that's not good enough. Uh, You know, the, the Ian Sams, who's the hit guy in the White House who attacks me every day, attacks Jim Jordan for having the audacity to provide oversight for this administration. He can't understand why in the world it's my business where $113 billion is going in Ukraine. We want to know exactly where it's going, and we want to verify that has actually went to where this administration said it's going. So we're a long way from being transparent with where these funds are going, but we're not going to let up and hopefully we'll get answers for the American taxpayer.
0: All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages.
1: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid scale solar energy in Ohio
0: He's the leading law enforcement officer in the great state of Indiana. And he just announced that he's joining a coalition of 24 other states asking a federal court to strike down the Biden administration's EPA waters of the United States rule. This is a rule that has effect on everything from food supply and farmers to home builders. It is a big deal. And joining us right now from the great state of Indiana is Attorney General Todd Rakita. General Rakita, great to have you back on the show.
5: Hey, John and Amanda, great to be with you.
0: This is such an important issue. I know it sounds wacky. You hear WOTUS, you're like, what's that? It's an alphabet soup thing. But its impact on farmers, home builders, everyday Americans is huge. Tell us why you're leading this fight.
5: Well, I'm pleased to be joined. It's a, it's a very much a, a, a team effort uh, with 24 other states. This is something, John and Amanda, that we've been fighting ever since I've been in Congress uh, in, in 2011. Uh, under Obama, President Obama's administration was really uh, taking liberties in the in, the, in the bad sense of the word, how they were interpreting, how their EPA was interpreting uh, what a navigable water is. So there's a term in the law that the EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers have jurisdiction over navigable waters. And starting with the Obama administration, they 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 defined navigable waters not as lake michigan not as the ohio river uh to uh, indiana bodies of water that we're familiar with or even the oceans they they were defining navigable waters as streams or ditches in a farmer's north 40 or even standing uh bodies of water after uh heavy enough rain it was absolutely ridiculous and uh, and they're not ridiculous people in the sense that they're they know what they're doing they just want a jurisdiction over more and more of people's private property right for the socialist control reasons that we all know and fear um and then along comes president trump like just today not only was he in ohio but during the time he was president he has great policies and one of them which was dialing in and raining back the epa so that they had a, a more traditional definition of navigable water. And now, of course, along comes the new socialists in the Biden administration and they're right back at it again. This time, though, we have 24 like-minded attorneys general uh, like myself that are going to fight back and in court and won't stop until we can keep these unelected bureaucrats, uh, put them back in their holes, so to speak. Yeah. Big mission.
3: Sir, it seems like they're trying to do this from every angle. I'm I know that some of the obviously the immediate concerns are people's sovereignty over their own property. If they have you know a stream, like you said, uh, it seems insane to me that the federal government would have jurisdiction over that. But there are other far-reaching uh, issues associated with this, most notably jobs. Can you can you riff on that a little bit?
5: Well, yeah. I mean, you know, every just starting in the macro, right? I mean, every time there's a regulation, that's like a tax. Every tax you have on industry is a constraint every constraint you have on industry means someone's making less profit every time you have less of a profit you have more people that you have less people that you can employ right if if people aren't making if, if a business or an industry is making a profit there's no one to hire we can't all be in the nonprofit sector we can't you know we can't all be or should be in government right the idea is they make government as small as possible there is no a nonprofit sector unless there's a for-profit sector and in order for there to be a thriving business that hires people you have to make a profit and every time one of these these liberals these socialists come by and try to strangle a private industry a private business it's really a tax and, and and that means you're hiring less you're doing less you can move less so that's basically what this is here and what what's going on if you make people's private property less valuable by putting all these government regulations on it because geez it rained hard last week and there's a standing pond uh, on this farmland or on this business's land or, or or whatever you're you're divesting people of the wealth and the opportunity they have in the private ownership of land right and that goes right to the communist manifesto right socialists hate private ownership of anything They think uh, the land and everyone else's property, real or not, or personal property, belongs to the collective. And this is a way to make a taking,
0: really, of that private property. Such a good analysis. Really well put. Uh, sir, another place in Indiana and you are leading is in fighting the environment, a social governance movement, ESG. Uh, you've gotten behind a law in your state to, that would codify that the retirement system there could only pr- pr- must pr- prioritize the financial returns ahead of any of these ideological concerns. A big way of protecting people's retirements, isn't it?
5: Yeah, it sure is. And Indiana's, they're, they're trying upstairs right now. I'm talking to you from my office in the, in the Indiana State House, and right now they're in session uh, up on floor three. And I got to tell you, I don't know about the future of that bill. Um, it seems like there's a couple folks around here that are taking their lessons from the federal government, and all of a sudden, which was a common sense idea, making sure that we uh, our, our, our state investments focus solely on the highest rate of financial return as the primary and really the sole fiduciary duty, well, uh, the fiscal analysts, again, unelected people, you could call them bureaucrats, came back and said, oh, that's gonna cost $7 billion, right? So following ESG and not following your financial return rates is gonna cost you seven billion dollars? Wow! But in fact, or, 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 yeah. yeah, or no, no? Excuse me. Following, I, mean, I had that backwards. Following your finance, your 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 highest rate of financial return is going to cost seven billion dollars. Following ESG principles won't cost you seven billion dollars. That's absolutely ridiculous on its face. Yeah. Uh, regular Hoosiers and I'm sure most of your viewers don't believe that when they hear it because it's ridiculous. Yeah. If you focus on the highest financial rate of return, that's going to make you more money. If you focus, if you disregard the financial rate of return and simply focus on, oh, well, this company has enough women on the board or enough black people on the board, we're going to invest there. Or this company, even though it loses millions of dollars or it costs millions of dollars more per year, we're going to make sure that they have a net zero carbon emission and we're going to invest there. That's ridiculous.
3: It is. If, it, if your goal is to return a financial,
5: a good financial rate. So uh, hopefully the lawmakers here see through it. And then, it, you know, whether or not they do that, though, I'm pleased to be joined with another 20 states in leading a fight against the Department of Labor on ESG principles. and am happy to talk about that at some yes. point. Huge one.
3: Yes, sir. Yeah, and I, and I kind of feel like no matter how progressive you are when it comes to your money and your investments, you're going to prioritize that over wokeness. You're going to throw wokeness under the bus. Very quickly, though, we got about 45 seconds left. Another common sense issue there in Indiana, this parental rights bill that would require teachers to inform parents of students who want to change their gender identity or their name. Is this going to go through?
5: Yeah, hopefully. We have big protests here at the state house again, unbelievably. Uh, adults in physical presence but really children in the sense that they're yelling and screaming and interrupting the work of the lawmakers it was really pathetic and and i and i hope our lawmakers have the strength to see through all that because you're exactly right parents need to be notified it's child abuse what's what's happening to these kids they're doing they're they're having irreversible damage done to them when they Manipulate and mutilate genitalia and all these other things that they're doing to our greatest asset, our children.
0: All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages.
7: With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to Amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's Amazon.com slash ad free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
3: From the great state of Arizona, Congressman Andy Biggs, he joins us tonight. Welcome back, sir.
6: Hey, thanks, Amanda. Thanks, John. Good to be with you.
3: We, you know, you're, you're one of our favorite members of Congress, especially with respect to the border and border security. So I know you've got eyes and ears on the ground there in Yuma. Give us an idea of what you've learned.
6: So we, we were able to, to go on an, an evening tour, uh, see the infrastructure, where the fences have been built and what a difference they've made and then the gaps that are there um and and really kind of explore that both on the southern side of our border and the western side because we have some to the west uh, with uh, uh algodonas and and some other parts of mexico so that was good and then today we've been meeting with uh farmers ranchers uh, uh local business people uh, local um uh, elected officials we've met with border patrol agents we've met with uh, the food bank folks and we, we also went to the hospital and talked to, uh, uh, staff and the director of the local hospital, which has been overrun, uh, because of the border crisis.
0: Yeah, how important to hear those words from the front lines, because in Washington, we hear everything's OK. Nothing to look at there. Everything's fine. Joe Biden's got this under control. Congressman, I want to ask you about something, because I think the media may have taken this one hook, line and sinker in the last few a uh, few days. Joe Biden said he's making a major change to the amnesty program. And uh, anyone who uh, th- comes from through a third country won't get into the country. But then you read the frying print, you realize, well, actually, everyone can get in the country. All they have to do is fill out the app. And then they're let in. Was this a head fake or a mirage by the Joe Biden administration?
6: Uh, Absolutely, Um, because they were they were they were losing the narrative battle on it. Americans understand that it's a crisis. So so they put together this new parole, which, by the way, the way they constructed it is illegal. It violates the law because that's what they're doing. They're granting parole to these people. And so if you register for their app, you sign up for the app, you get it. And and uh, you can get in there, but but the bottom line is, um, you're getting going to get the same number of people in. They're just going to recategorize them in, in different ways, and uh, it, uh, it all gets to their, their 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 ultimate goal, which I think is evidenced by this: is the more efficient facilitation of allowing illegal uh, aliens to come into the country and be transmit uh, transported wherever they want to in the United States. Mm.
3: Oh, uh, dereliction of duty. It's unbelievable. Sir, we've been talking a lot and hearing a lot about uh, surveillance balloons lately, but a different type of surveillance balloon. Uh, Last segment, we had House Oversight Chairman uh, Comer on talking about the one hundred and thirteen billion dollars that went to Ukraine. We have no idea how it was spent, where it was spent and what's what's the status of that funding? One hundred and thirteen billion dollars, however, could go a long way in buying surveillance balloons but we are going from 12 to 4 at the behest of DHS that happened uh, at the end of fiscal year 2022 back in October what what do these surveillance balloons look like how effective are they and how devastating is it that we're cutting it by effectively 60 percent
6: well it's 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 a very dangerous thing so uh, an aerostat is a small it, it looks kind of like a small blimp actually and they they, they put them up, and, and they're tied, and they're, pro- they're providing uh, data and surveillance information to um, uh, the, the, the Border Patrol, who's, who's got to do that. Now, what, what people need to understand is they're literally, and, and this came out in testimony in the Oversight Committee just two weeks ago, at the same time we're re- removing aerostats, the cartels uh, who control our border, are actually increasing the number of drone uh attacks across uh our of the border so it's in the neighborhood of tens of thousands of of drone uh and aerial surveillance done by the cartels uh on a regular basis and why because they control the border they want to continue to control the border and they want to know where the border patrol is So they're going to send people across, that's that's the human trafficking side, they'll send the human people across to distract and and eat up our resources. In the meantime, they'll send the the people who are uh, uh, transporting drugs to uh, the now open or vacated border area
0: unbelievable. We're going to blind our own people to the security dangers, but let China and the cartels have all the surveillance they want in America. Really mind-boggling. Sir, you've been leading the efforts to uh, get a discussion going in the House to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas. It looks like he got the message because Homeland Security just uh, gave a no-bid contract to a prestigious law firm to get a defense for him set up. Are you surprised by the no-bid contract? and Is it a sign that maybe the Homeland Security Secretary is feeling
6: your heat? Well, I, th- I I was not surprised by the no bid contract be- because, um, I, but I was disappointed by it because that's not the way it should go. But I, I that's what happened. Um, and and that that their attorney has already put out statements and where they're trying to change the narrative uh, about this. That they they're trying to I don't know if you noticed this in the last couple of weeks. Now they're saying that that the drugs. Uh, are only coming through the ports of entry, and right. they are stopping ninety percent of that. Well, that's they've missed, they've mis as you might imagine they've misused the data um, to try to soften the heat on Alejandro Mayorkas, and I do think he is feeling the heat. Yeah, no doubt.
3: Sir, I wanted to ask, you you said something a moment ago about cartels uh, having control of the border, and we've had numerous guests on uh, Border Patrol Union, Brandon Judd. Uh, We've had numerous border sheriffs come on the show who have attested to that very fact. What's astounding to me, though, is that, you know, because of that, the direct result is the fact that our Border Patrol agents. It, it for them i think it feels like chaos you you care that with the cartels and the level of sophistication of their operation can you kind of shed some light on that as far as the dichotomy between the sophisticated operation on the southern side of the border our border being controlled by cartels compared to the resources and control that our side has
6: yeah well so so the our side is currently reactive instead of proactive the cartels are advancing instead of retreating. And so uh, they, they have uh, literally billions and billions of dollars that come through every month for human tr- the drug and sex trafficking. They use a portion of that money to, to buy, con- buy control. So they bribe people, so they, and they, they have surveillance. As they say, uh, uh, last night as we were driving around, there were scout cars from the cartels that were tra- tracking us. Uh, on our side of the border, obviously. They have people in the mountains that scout, that have incredible technology and equipment, uh, and they use that. And they use, as I mentioned earlier, they use drones, for instance. They use uh, uh, computers, but they, at the same time, they use terror tactics uh, uh, as well. When, I say, and when we say that everybody, uh, that the, the border is controlled by cartels, what, what we mean by that is nobody crosses our southern border. Without um, the the cartels' uh, uh, knowledge and, and taking uh, money from them, so they control the border in that sense. And I'm I'm talking about legitimate trade traffic as well. Everybody has to to to, to uh, pay for that somehow, some way. Our our border patrol agents, uh, the, the, what what we have for them, the equipment is is good, but it's stopped. We stopped sensors. We stopped uh, the, 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 the technology that we, they needed to, for, for radio transmissions. We stopped that. And that, so we're the distinct disadvantage um, from policy to technology. Oh, it's mind-boggling.
0: So, just real quickly, 20 seconds left. But uh, the relationship between human trafficking, generating the funds so they can make more fentanyl, the Biden administration has created the cash flow for these cartels, hasn't it?
6: Oh, 100%. A hundred percent. All right folks, we're gonna take a quick
0: commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages.
3: He is Yuri Sack. He's the advisor to the Minister of Defense in Ukraine. And he's here with us now. Yuri, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here.
8: Thank you so much for inviting me.
3: Sir, if you could just give us kind of your 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 current purview of the Russia-Ukraine war. And and also, especially in light of recent news, the concerning fact. How, how concerned are you that China is going to be providing weapons support to Russia?
8: Well, you know... Tomorrow, there will be one year since the beginning of this large-scale, unprovoked aggression against Ukraine, against Ukrainian people. And I would even go any further, I would say, against the free world, because, you know, this is what we're saying all the time, that this is not just Ukrainian army fighting for the Ukrainian cities or Ukrainian people or Ukrainian territory. This is Ukrainian people fighting for the global freedom. And... uh, you know, in some strange way, uh, I think we are proud of the fact that we will be told with this mission, because Russia is a terrorist state. Russia is a terrorist state which, um, you know, brings threats and risks uh, to not just our country, but to the European continent, to the world. Now, as for the uh, you know news for, uh, about the possibility of China beginning to provide Russia with uh, weapons systems, now, look, of course, we hope that Russia will continue to uh, excuse me, China will continue to have a pragmatic approach to uh, Russia's war against Ukraine. We hope that China will not be providing Russia with weapon systems, even though we know that, you know, we have degraded Russian army during the last 12 months so badly that they're now shopping around the world for different weapons. And you know better than I do that, you know, they've been buying drones from Iran, you know, one of the worst rogue states on this planet. And uh, so they are trying to speak to other countries as well because this war is unsustainable for Russia. Russia knows that they will lose this war and Ukraine will win it. And this is why they are desperately looking for allies, you know. And we hope that, you know, countries like China uh, should be interested logically in preserving uh, w- rule-based international order, order, not to live in a world run by chaos and threat and fear.
0: That's yeah, such a good point. And you mentioned the performance of the Russian army. I, I haven't talked to a single U.S. military official who isn't shocked at how badly performed the Russians have performed and how well the Ukrainians have done, being allegedly outmanned by a superpower. What's been the secret to the Ukrainian success? All the territory ter- you regained, all the significant damage you've been able to inflict on Russians. What, what's been some of the keys to that?
8: Um, see, John, sometimes uh, we forget that this... Uh War. It began not on February twenty-fourth. Right. Um, in fact, it didn't even begin on uh, you know uh, in two thousand fourteen when Russia illegally annexed Crimea and started uh, war in the east of Ukraine. Um, Russia is a country that has been trying to destroy Ukraine as a people, Ukraine as culture, for centuries now. So we kind of lived on our DNA level. With a deep understanding that, you know, sooner or later, Russia will again try to destroy us openly. And this is what we're dealing with right now. But what, what I think the key kind of secret to our success is that on that day, uh, one year ago, February 24th, when we woke up, you know, the, the human psychology is simple. When faced with a threat or a risk, uh, you go either to fight mode or flight mode. So we came together as a nation and we went straight into the fight mode. Our president stand up and he said, I don't need a taxi ride, I need ammunition. And this is what we keep saying for the last 12 months. We are prepared, willing and determined to defeat this paper tiger, this terrorist state on the battlefield. Just give us the tools, give us the weapons. You know, we we, we will defend the global freedom. We are unafraid. Give us the tools. Tanks, F-16s, long range missiles. That's what we need right now on the battlefield.
3: Sir, I wanted to get your perspective on something a little different. You know, so often when there's global conflict, we, because of the news cycle, we pay attention most closely to the governmental per, uh, response. But as we know, in other global conflicts, it's the people of those countries who, who very often most feel the impact of these types of conflicts. For the American people, as they look at the people of Ukraine who are enduring this, as you said, a year tomorrow. What on the humanitarian side can American citizens do to aid Ukrainian citizens?
8: Amanda, first of all, hand on heart, I would like to use this opportunity to thank from, from the Ukrainian people, from my family, from my son, because when I speak to my son, most of the time he begins conversation, Dad, when are the Americans going to give us next delivery of missiles? And my son is only 11 years old. And look, he knows the difference between Heimar systems, between M777 howitzers. So we are all truly grateful to the American people, to the American taxpayers for standing with us in these trying times and helping us defeat this evil, uh, these enemies. So, you know, of course, in the future, uh, uh, we hope that we will continue to see uh, the American people, you know, shoulder to shoulder with us. Uh, We're not asking to fight for us. Like I said, you know, we'll do it ourselves. But on a humanitarian field, look, I want to tell you that, for example, there is this company, a group of people, our American friends, who have arrived in Ukraine back in uh, March 2022. You know, they are graduates of Yale University, MIT. They've established a, a voluntary charitable organization called Zero Line. They've been there on the front lines, you know, for the last 12 months helping Ukraine. So there's a lot of Americans who actually are there and trying to Uh, implement great uh, humanitarian initiatives. Uh, There are Americans who are supporting here, you know, every time everyone I meet here, you know, it's an Uber driver or somebody I meet in high offices. People tell us we pray for you, we are with you. This is really, really important for us. Knowing this gives us even more strength, gives us more determination to make this year a year of victory and we all hope that we will never have to celebrate another anniversary of this aggressive war.
0: Yeah, I know the whole world is rooting for that, sir. I want to ask you a little bit about springtime, because that's when the expectation is that the Russians are going to launch another, or try to launch another offensive. The first ones haven't gone very well. They've met the Ukrainian army and they found out what the Ukrainian army is made of. Tell us what we might expect in the next round of battles and what the United States could do to, uh, beyond the equipment to ensure your success.
8: Well, like I said already, you know, we have shown to the world that Russia is, in fact, not a like a superpower. It's a fake superpower. It's a paper tiger. And uh, we've defeated Russia on the battlefield. You know, we've kicked them out from Kyiv, from Chernihiv, from Kharkiv, from Kherson, And we will continue to do that. Honestly and seriously, our objective is the complete deoccupation and liberation of Ukraine in 2023. Now, of course, whether they have anything else they could pull out of their head, you know, any hidden rabbits, I don't think they can produce any hidden army which is kept somewhere secretly in Siberia and all of a sudden it will appear on the front line. You know, they've done their mobilization, um it resulted in nothing. You know, in the last six months they've not had any military success on the battlefield. The only thing they've been able to capture was actually the ruins effectively of the city of Soledar. It's a mm-hmm. small, tiny almost village. So, uh, you know, at the same time, we must not underestimate our enemy because, you know, if they continue with their mobilization, if they send, I don't know, three to five hundred thousand people on the front lines, if they engage other countries who we hope will, you know, not be uh, involved in this conflict, But, you know, there's Belarus there who is uh, anytime could become a front line. Yeah. So, um, but we, whatever comes, we, we are prepared. And. Uh American, uh American people, American government, uh, we are asking now for long-range missiles. Uh, these are very, very crucial at this stage of the war, because with the long-range mi- missiles like Atacams, we will be able to strike the enemy deeper into the, their territory, and this will mean that, you know, we can achieve more success on the battlefield, incurring fewer losses on our side.
9: Yuri
3: Sack, advisor to the Minister of Defense in Ukraine. We know you are a very, very busy person, so we're going to let you go, but we hope you stay well and be safe. And you're back on here. Welcome back on here anytime.
8: Thank you so much. I'm sure I'll be back. Have a great day.
0: All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages.
9: figure lending LLC DBA figure equal opportunity lender NMLS 1717824 terms and conditions apply visit figure.com for more information for licensing information go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org
0: joining us right now the former congressman from the great state of Illinois congressman Rodney Davis sir good to have you back on the show
9: it's always great to be back with you john and amanda
0: It is such an interesting moment. Congress uh, has so many things going on. You've got these oversight hearings. You've got the debt ceiling. You've got uh, negotiating uh, cooperation from some key witnesses around Hunter Biden. And you have the border. uh, A bunch of folks led by Jim Jordan, they go down to the border. Democrats don't show up, just like they didn't show up in Ohio originally for the train crash. What message are Democrats sending to middle America?
9: Well... I'm glad Kevin McCarthy took a group of our freshmen down to the border not too long ago. Uh, My good friend, too, Jim Jordan, took a group of judiciary Republicans down there. But I do have to give some credit to Hakeem Jeffries and to Henry Cuellar. Henry's a good friend, represents the area across from Laredo, Texas. Uh, Henry has been a, a good conservative vote on some Republican issues. But Hakeem did go with Henry. But where are the rest of the Democrats? Why can't they get a group of Democrats to go witness what's happening at the border to actually send a message to Joe Biden to finally do something?
0: Yeah, that would be a powerful message. Yes.
3: yeah, and congressman Quaylor has has done a great job, I think, in aiding Republicans and shedding light on that. I wanted to switch gears to something that I think also needs, quite a bit of light shed on it. Uh, Speaker McCarthy has reportedly released thousands of hours of footage from January 6th. Now, this took place at the Capitol. It is the People's House. And considering what uh, we have seen in recent history as far as malicious prosecution and targeting of opposition, I think that more transparency is, is better. But Democrats have called this a grave, what do they call it, a grave breach of security. Where do you fall on that?
9: You know, this is Kevin McCarthy, our speaker, living up to the commitment he made long before he ever became speaker. He wanted more transparency. Kevin and I asked for transparency and asked for these tapes to be released under democratic rule in the House, under Speaker Pelosi. And it's very right. These hypocrites in the Democratic Party in the House, they're talking about security issues. They are the ones who, through their own partisan select committee, the January 6th Select Committee, released footage of Vice President Pence being evacuated from the Senate floor. They released footage of Speaker McCarthy's office when he was leader being evacuated. You want to talk about hypocrisy. They're screaming security when they tried to create their own narrative. And that narrative included this. It included Alexandra Pelosi being evacuated with her mother, the Speaker, to Fort McNair, where she subsequently took out her video camera because she's a a documentarian, we all know. She took out her video camera and she released footage of the leaders at Fort McNair, their, their, their hideaway, once being evacuated from the Capitol. And she did it for profit. My question is this, John and Amanda, was she given access to these thousands of hours of video to selectively release them in order to make sure that her documentary that she's getting paid for was going to not be overshadowed by the release to the public of this information many months ago.
0: Boy, that is a great question. I don't think we knew a lot about that. We're going to dig into that one a lot, sir. Uh, You've had a chance to look through some of this security footage. I know you had a lot of concerns about the security footprint that the Capitol Police put forward compared to the intelligence warnings they had. As this becomes more and more public, what are some of the things we should be looking for to learn from and to make a better and more secure capital for the future?
9: Well, you're finally going to see accountability. The Committee on House Administration, led by now Chairman Brian Style, Brian is going to actually, uh, he, he's going to bring in the security officials and make sure that that committee of jurisdiction, now that the Republicans are in the majority, that they they actually ask the questions as to what failed. We know that the intelligence was there. The intelligence was at the Capitol place. It was not given to then police chief Steve's son that the Capitol would be under attack. But now under oath, these House officers are going to be able to tell the American people what went wrong and what they're doing to make sure that it never happens again. And we saw the impact of this oversight agenda with Chairman Style and the architect of the Capitol. Let let me rephrase that. The former architect of the Capitol who was subsequently fired by President Biden after a disastrous appearance in front of the House Administration Committee just a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, man. Sir, as, as you mentioned a moment ago, you talked about Kevin McCarthy or Speaker McCarthy and his commitment to some of those things that he stated prior to the midterms and prior to taking the gavel that he wanted to actually accomplish. There are a lot of House investigations that are taking place on judiciary, on oversight. Obviously, in the last few weeks, uh, the hearing on, on the border crisis has been one of the most revealing aspects of what they have been doing in Congress. What do you think are going to be some of the most impactful uh, investigations? And, and are there any that you think should be at the top of the list and take precedence over that, over others?
9: Well, the ones you just mentioned, along with uh, finding out how we can ensure that the Capitol will never be attacked again, uh, making sure we hold our own security apparatus accountable. So that's House administration. That's judiciary. That's oversight. Let's not forget about the oversight agenda that's going to happen in the rest of our committees. You look at ways and means under Chairman Jason Smith. They're going to hold corporations accountable who decided to play politics over the interest of their shareholders. And you look at also Chairman McHenry on the Committee on Financial Services. He's going to ensure that the CFPB is not continuing their massive overreach to try and, try and tell financial institutions in this country who they should and should not do business with. And then when it comes to health care, when it comes to COVID, chairman kathy mcmorris rogers of the energy and commerce committee is going to be able to bring dr fauci in bring those health professionals in and really get to the bottom of why certain decisions were made that had disastrous consequences on our school kids and disastrous consequences on our health care apparatus in this country
0: that's going to be a big one so many parents are still trying to make up for that lost year or two in school districts and their children may they take years to recover from that I want to talk a little bit about the health bureaucracy because we all need to trust it we all there's going to be other health crises in American history but the main things we were told during the pandemic that uh, masks would work we now know that's not true there's been a big study came out in that that the vaccines would ensure there wouldn't be transmission we now are told they knew the moment they said it they knew it wasn't true how does the American people come to grasp with they didn't get a straight story from public health officials And how do they get back to trusting them in future uh, pandemics or other health crises that we may face? Well, it's going to
9: take getting rid of the current health officials and having new health officials come in and tell the American people that that the true standards we believe were in place are actually in place. Uh, When we were told when the vaccines came out that it would be easier to get struck by lightning than to get COVID again, I parroted those same talking points that were given to me by the health professionals in our country. They were wrong. And they've done more to actually push vaccine hesitancy of not just the COVID vaccine, but vaccines across the board than any other time in our nation's history. And we've got some really good vaccines that prevent really preventable diseases that now families are hesitating on getting their kids or getting themselves. And that is the direct result of bad advice, bad science, and bad people being involved in our healthcare apparatus right now.
3: So true. And there were a lot of COVID officials who loved getting that camera time. Um, sir, I wanted to ask you about someone else who seems to love camera time. I'm sure you've seen this video circulating uh, social media and elsewhere. This jury person out of Fulton County, Emily Kors, uh, doing the entire media circuit. It seems to me that she's doing more damage to the prosecution than good. Uh, what's your take on it?
9: Oh, if, if I was former President Trump, I'd be giddy. I mean, think about it. Uh, this is somebody who is going out on camera, interviewed with outlets like MSNBC. MSNBC proudly put her up and, and then criticized her for going and talking to media outlets today.
0: All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. back, everybody. Over my career, I've been able to work with some amazing journalists every day. I get to come in and work with Amanda Head, proof that I really have such a blessed opportunity. But our next guest I had a chance to write a book, co-write a book with, and I've done a lot of digging. I have to say this about Seamus Bruder. He makes the hard work of going through documents in computer databases and, and old filings downright fun it doesn't sound fun unless you get in a room with him he knows how to dig up some of the biggest and best stories in america he works at the government accountability institute with my good friend peter schweitzer and he joins us again now seamus great to have you on the show again it's always great to be with you john you're one of my Amanda. yeah You're one of our favorite gum shoes in earlier this week, I believe it was. uh, J.A. had an amazing story. Uh, We found some money to you, Penn, following Joe Biden from China. You found some money following Joe Biden to the University of Delaware, also from China. Tell us what what we learned about that.
4: Yeah, that's absolutely right. So we now have not one, but two American universities that Joe Biden sets up his uh, Biden Center or Biden Institute in the case of University of Delaware. Two American universities who their China donations, China origin donations, just skyrocketed shortly after Joe Biden set up his institute there.
3: Seamus, is there, I mean, I, I know that there's typically a money trail and you see this money, but money is, is fungible and can go to many different avenues. Is there plausible deniability for these, for lack of better terms, Biden universities, where they can say there's, there's nothing seedy happening here, it's all innocent, it's just a, it's just a coincidence?
4: Well, I think as just the news broke and it was such a huge bombshell, uh, UPenn turned around after getting all this money from China and sent a letter to the DOJ saying you need to stop investigating universities like UPenn uh, for Chinese espionage. So we've got the money coming in and we've got uh, what appears to be actions that favor China coming out. You know, they'll always have a bit of plausible, plausible deniability because we don't have uh, the smoking gun email from the Chinese saying, we're going to give you this money and expect X, Y, Z in return. But the numbers themselves are are just staggering. I mean, as, as just the news reported, the U Penn donations got up into the tens of millions after Biden's Institute Biden Center was set up there. What's really interesting about the University of Delaware case is uh, Delaware had never University of Delaware had never gotten any money from China before Biden sets up his institute. And then after it, it goes up to as high, it goes up to 6.7 million, mm-hmm. and uh, at least three checks in that total came directly from the Chinese government. So that that is a little different from U UPenn U just got China money, not clear or not sure that it was China government, but we are certain that the University of Delaware got money directly from the Chinese government, according to their own reporting.
0: Amazing reporting and uh, very little subtle about those transactions. Um, I know there's always the question of possible and I thought Amanda hit it on the head. The Chinese work with smoke and mirrors and so. But there's one thing that we now have absolute visibility on. There's a moment when Hunter Biden is starting to get into the business of uh, doing work with China, and he writes one of his colleagues and says, uh, "Listen, they're not interested in my skill set. They're interested in my last name." Hunter Biden knew that he was trading on the family name. And that was the cash credit card that the family had to enrich itself. That part of the story is not in doubt, right?
4: Not at all in doubt. I mean, there's more sources on this than we can shake a stick at. So uh, you've got Tony Bobolinsky, who has uh, attested, testified to the FBI that Joe Biden knew absolutely had intimate familiarity with the Biden family di- business dealings, particularly relating to China. Um, And then you've got all of these messages, these letters, correspondences where uh, Hunter's Chinese business partners say, give my regards to the Biden family. You've got one message where uh, Hunter Biden is saying that people want to do business with him and the Biden family, not just him, but also the Biden family. So uh, it's hard to it's hard to keep count. But I I would say at least a dozen uh, instances where Hunter Biden and his business partners refer to the Biden family.
3: Seamus, this week, because of, of a lot of John's reporting, we've had conversations with um, people who uh, were at the FBI, Kevin Brock, who was former assistant intel director at the FBI and then FBI whistleblower Stephen Friend. And uh, one of the themes of our conversations with both of them was the Uh, entitled attitude that seems to have permeated certain levels of that organization and it's not just the FBI we see it in other uh, legacy families across America Alex Murdaugh is on trial right now for murder and that's a family that seems to be able to just make things disappear and it seems like that's also an issue with the Biden family with respect to not only the president, Joe Biden, but his brother, James, his son, Hunter, at the end of all of this, is there ever going to be any uh, anything for the American people to say, well, at least they didn't get away with
7: it?
4: Yeah, I think you you absolutely nailed it by bringing in the FBI to this conversation, because as we've known, they've they've been well aware of uh, the Biden family's business dealings. They've been investigating Hunter Biden for years now and we haven't gotten any really indication of where these tax and money laundering investigations currently stand um i you know i, I am hopeful <laughs> that we see some accountability but i you know i just couldn't say for sure because of how long it's taken just to get anything on hunter's uh you know alleged crimes or you know the crimes potential crimes they're investigating
0: yeah, it's amazing because so much of the evidence is sitting out and open. It's not a mystery what happened. Taxes were not paid for years. If you and I did that, we'd be in some big trouble. It's pretty remarkable. Uh, Seamus, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the congressional investigations. We've seen over the last several days James Comer moved closer and closer and closer towards the subpoena of the Biden family members for not complying. Uh, there was an in- interesting request for information from a Serbian politician. Uh, he went by, that, I think, the nickname Vuk. Tell us what you know about Vuk and Hunter Biden.
4: Yeah, so uh, Vuk Jeremich is the former U.N. General Assembly president. Uh, he's actually the third. There's three U.N. General Assembly presidents who Hunter's business partner, Patrick Ho. This is the so-called spy chief who Hunter refers to as the, the spy chief. Vuk Jeremich, so he's, he's this previously uh, U.N. official. Um, there's two other U.N. officials who Patrick Ho has according to his indictments, sent bribe money towards um, uh, Vuk Jeremic received approximately $5 million from CEFC related entities. Uh, So Vuk is the guy who Patrick Ho starts funneling money, CEFC money to Vuk. Vuk is the first person really to contact Hunter Biden about the CEFC deal. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot more to come about Vuk.
0: It's hard to believe, but that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. I'm really grateful that each of you could join today. Now, one reminder, a lot of people say, hey, John, do you have an app at the Just the News? And the answer is we sure do. Not only do we have an app, it's in the Apple Store. It's also in the Android Store. It allows you to take the Just the News experience and go in three different ways. You can watch. Our videos and television shows, you can listen to this podcast and many others like it, like Victor Davis Hanson, or you can read the stories that we do a day, 50, 60, 70 stories a day of the breaking news, investigative reporting, accountability reporting. Go to the iOS app Store or the Android store today, download the Just the News app, read, watch, listen, three great ways to experience the Just the News content and to join the Just the News family. And if you really want to get involved with the family and say, hey, I want to support your investigative reporting, John Solomon, I wanna support the great reporters and the producers and the bookers and everybody that works to make the Just The News experience possible. You can do something really inexpensive that makes a big difference. All you gotta do is join the Just The News VIP club. That's right. What do you get for the VIP club? First off, ad-free experience on the website and on your newsletters. No ads, no dancing videos, no autoplay videos. An ad-free experience on Just the News twenty four seven Plus, once a month, you get to hang out with me at JustTheNews.com. We have a town hall. I sit and answer your questions for an hour. We talk about issues you care about. We cover topics that the other media aren't covering. It's an incredible experience to join the family. The immediate family of the just the news team great opportunity sometimes we bring in our reporters it 's always a delightful time if you want to get involved in that, go to justthenews dot com slash subscribe just dot com slash subscribe quick way to get into the club it 's four ninety nine a month forty four ninety nine a year great way to support our journalism make a difference and get an enormous benefit yourself so go check it out today. All right, folks, that wraps up our weekend editions of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. God bless you. God bless this incredible country, as he always has.
6: We'll be back again on Monday for another edition.